0: We're starting a new series today called "How to Be Blessed." It's going to be on the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter five. How to be? But who wants to be blessed? Anybody want to be blessed? You ever feel blessed from time to time? Anybody? You ever feel blessed here and there and yon? You know, sometimes we feel blessed when our you know all of our health is going well or. We feel blessed when something good maybe happens at work or we get an unexpected, you know, some money or, you know, or or we put on our pants and realize there's an extra $20 in the pocket. We feel, oh, I'm blessed today. Or we go to Walmart and we get the close spot. Lord's really blessed me today. I sometimes feel, though, that in thinking that, maybe I don't really understand uh, what it means to be blessed Because if I tie my blessedness only to when things go well, then I may not feel blessed when things are going poorly. But when things go poorly, I'm not any less blessed than when things are going great. The blessing is still there because the blessing doesn't depend upon how I feel my circumstances are flowing. Blessing comes from somewhere else. Blessing possibly means something else. Yes, it absolutely does. We're going to take a look at that in just a second. I had a uh, professor in college, his name was Dr. Estes. He's been with Jesus almost 20 years now. Uh, Dr. Estes was a very unique character. You ever have any teachers that are unique characters? Maybe some of you in the room are teachers and you are unique characters. Uh, Dr. Estes was very unique. Uh, He taught Old Testament and uh, he, well, just to give you a perspective of who Dr. Estes was. Now, he served in the 101st Airborne Division in World War II. If you know your history, they were the guys who jumped over Normandy. Dr. Estes was a chaplain of the 101st, and he didn't carry a gun. So he jumped out of a plane over Normandy with no weapon. He's a little crazy. He did have, a, he did have his scripture in his pocket, so he wasn't unarmed completely. But he jumped over Normandy, and he served, and he pointed people to Jesus, and He went on and did a vast array of other things. He would always bring up new jobs that he had when he taught class. But you would come in. We always liked going to Dr. Esses' class because it wasn't necessarily that it was a blow off class. We always learned a truckload in his class, but it wasn't necessarily difficult and hard. Uh, He wanted you to learn a lot, but he didn't want, particularly, a class on Scripture to cause you great anxiety because Scripture shouldn't cause anxiety. Uh, But we would get in there. And he would ask us how we are, how our week was, how our weekend was. And we would tell him and say, oh, I'm doing okay. Things are going like this and this and this and the other thing. And we'd always ask him, well, Dr. S., how are you doing? And his answer was always, blessed. But he was all I can't, I can still hear him say it, but I can't get his accent right. But it'd be something along the lines of blessed. Every time, I'm blessed. And he would pray at the beginning of class and he would thank God that he was so blessed. But the thing about his blessedness is things weren't always so great for Dr. Estes. His health was poor from time to time. His wife's health was very poor from time to time. But his answer was always that he was blessed. Because for him, he understood the concept that blessing wasn't about how good his life was flowing. It wasn't about whether his health was 100% awesome because his blessing was tied to Jesus, and that's all that mattered to him. And that's what we're gonna look at today is where does blessing come from, really? We're gonna be in Matthew chapter five, uh, uh, starting in verse one, it's on page 809 if you're gonna use a Bible on the pew rack there in front of you. And as Jared said earlier, if you do not have a Bible, The only bible you have is the app on your phone which is great but if you do not have a physical bible take one of those bibles home with you that's in the pew take it it can be yours free gift from us to you Uh, we've got others we can replace that one with so don't worry about well i don't know who's going to have a bible here just take that one and let it be your bible Uh, it's english standard version translation it's a good translation word for word translation it's the one i preach from Uh, so take that one and let it be your bible but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Now, Matthew chapter 5 begins a three-chapter sermon. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. It is the longest recorded single teaching of Jesus. Um, it's basically the whole thing, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, this Sermon on the Mount. It's an explanation of what the life of a disciple, a life of a believer, is supposed to look like. And the first few verses here, verses 2 through uh, 12, or verses three through 12, um, is the introduction to that sermon. It tells us how to be blessed as Jesus is sitting there on the mount, the mountain, to share uh, what the sermon is, to share uh, what he's going to do. What's interesting though is it's called the Sermon on the Mount, but the mount, the, the mountain, is never specifically named in the passage. You know, there are people who, you know, we try to figure out, what well, could be here, it could be there. It might have been this, it could have been, if we narrow it down. But the thing about Scripture is, if it's not specifically named, then it's not necessary for us to know it. And we can dedicate all kinds of time to trying to figure out what it is. It's not really there, but it's not there, so it doesn't really matter. It's not for us to know. What's for us to know is what he said while he was there. That's what's important. That's where we should dedicate our time to understand, is that kind of deal. And so look at verse one of matthew chapter five seeing the crowds he that's jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him so he jesus saw the crowds and he goes up on the mountain the crowds that word crowds that means a a large uh not formal casual group of really non-membership type people um, so it's like, it's, this is a group of non-believers, non-disciples, okay, we'll, we'll use that phrase. It's a group of non-disciples. He saw them and they were following him, they wanted to see if he'd do any miracles, they wanted to hear his teaching, but he sees this massive crowd of non-disciples, so he goes up on this mountain, on the side of the mountain, and he calls his disciples to him, and they gather around him, and he sits down to teach. And so he sits down and, to teach them, and he's going to open his mouth to to share some things you know he specifically as I mentioned a minute ago what the, he's going to share Matthew 5 6 and 7 the Sermon on the Mount starting with what's here the Beatitudes he's he's sharing what being a disciple will look like to instruct his own disciples how their lives should take shape but also that that crowd of non-disciples that crowd of non-believers he's telling them okay if you want to be a believer and you you're thinking maybe I want to follow Jesus this is what that means This is the expectation, this is what your life will come to be shaped like, so get ready for it. So he's got his disciples around him, he's got that massive crowd is also there too, and he opens with what we call the Beatitudes. And I know you all know what that word means, right? You all know Beatitudes? It comes from the Latin word for blessed, which is how each one of these verses starts, blessed, uh, or blessed, or however you want to phrase it. Uh, And so he starts in this way, verse 2. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I want want you to notice something. Uh, That blessed, that word, is in the present tense. It's happening now. They are blessed now. Now, that word also means they, they are happy Because of a received blessing, that's the literal translation of that word, happy because of a received blessing. You've been given something and so your emotional response is happiness because of it. So happy are those who are poor in spirit, which you would look at that and say, okay, you're poor in spirit, why in the world would you be happy? Which is why Jesus follows it up with the second part of that verse, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're poor in spirit, but they have the kingdom of heaven. They have access to the kingdom of heaven. Really, they have no need to rely on themselves because they're kind of unable to. They're poor in spirit, poor. They don't have the resources of their spirit, so they have to rely on heaven. And so they can be blessed. They can be happy. The kingdom of heaven is their resource. The kingdom of heaven is all that they need to fulfill what they have in their lives, the needs that they have in their lives. To be poor in spirit is to recognize your own inability and lack of supply and your desperate need for spiritual intervention from someone else, specifically the Lord. So thoughts of self-reliance and self-sufficiency are lies that have been whispered to us by the enemy. Because in all actuality, we're completely dependent upon what the Lord gives us. And when we start to think, well, I did that. Well, I, 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 I can do this. I can accomplish that. Then that is pride seeping in and saying in our mind's eye, I don't need the Lord in this area. I can handle it here I can if I get out there on a limb and and I'm in the middle of a storm and and I lose my my arms fall off and I can't row the boat then I can pray and at the last resort get God to come in and save the day and there's a problem with some of that though uh in the book of Acts I believe it's chapter 12 I want to say Herod was saying something similar you know that I did this I accomplished this and he was struck dead on the spot because he took credit for something that was actually God's doing. You see, here's the idea, is is we have to consciously acknowledge and declare dependency on the Lord. We have to acknowledge the fact that he's the one who has enabled us to do anything, and he is the one who has provided all that we have. We have to acknowledge it and we have to declare a dependency upon him. You see, those who are poor in spirit they cannot gain what they need and so in that they are blessed because their resource what they need is given to them from the kingdom of heaven they declare this dependency on the kingdom of heaven on God so bless uh, uh, blessing comes from a declaration of dependence Blessing, true blessing or happiness comes from a declaration of dependence, declaring I need God, I can't do it on my own, I need him to intervene, I need him to provide, I need him to take care of me. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we are dependent upon him, so we might as well acknowledge it. He's providing for us, he's taking care of us. We don't have anything of our own making, spiritually. Or physically, because he provided it. So we might as well acknowledge it and, according to that verse, gain heaven's resources. Uh, Brian, come here real quick. Brian's going to be Jesus for us today. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Just come stand here, Jesus. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, you're Jesus. I should be saying, yes, sir, to you. Uh, and so here's the idea is I go out and I do work, right? I, I work somewhere. Maybe I've got, I've got a good buddy growing up who is a carpenter, and he works with his hands, and he makes all kinds of stuff. Uh, we've got a, a little baby rocking chair in our house that he made. Uh, he's phenomenal. And so, I work, so if I'm him, I'm Joe. I'm, I'm uh, working with my hands and doing all this stuff, and uh, I get paid for my work, and I uh, then go... Cash my paycheck, and then I go to Walmart and I buy some groceries. And here's the idea: I've got some. Well, I went to the pantry here at the church, and we had bread and a giant thing of corn. Uh, So I guess you can make corn sandwiches. I guess, (laughs) but this is what we had. So here's the idea: So Jesus hands me the resources I need. He hands me my daily bread and my daily corn. <laughs> i saw this in the pantry i thought that is the biggest thing of corn i've ever seen in my life um, but he hands it to me and i go and i say look what i did i provided for my family my daily bread and corn so we can eat well uh, so i provided everything we need i did this even though who was it who handed it to me jesus but if I go and I say, "I did it, I'm taking credit, I did it, not Jesus, but even as a, as a believer, as a follower, as a Christian, I may acknowledge, okay, well, okay, fine, Jesus provided, but in my mind, I'm still thinking I did this. It's my money that that, that paid for it. That's my skill that accomplished it. I went to school, I got the the, the, the adequate skill set, and I went and I did it, and I've got the ability to do it and I powered through it and I did it and and I was able to go and buy the corn and buy the bread. But in reality, everything came from Jesus. Not just the corn and the bread, the skills to accomplish it, the brain to make sure it all made sense. Jesus provided everything for me. So I am completely dependent upon Jesus, completely. Completely dependent upon him to provide my breath, completely dependent upon him to provide my skill set, completely dependent upon him to provide the money. I, I I am completely dependent upon Jesus to provide everything. Even if I don't acknowledge it. And he still provided it for me, and it's still in the pantry. He still provided it. So I might as well acknowledge that I am absolutely dependent upon Jesus and make a declaration of dependence, not independence. We struggle with that all the time anyway. Say, I am completely dependent upon Jesus. It's a mindset shift we have to accomplish. Thank you, Jesus. No, I said it again. <laughs> Jesus, the ever present servant. <laughs> the difference is really understanding the true source of all that I have and how truly dependent I am. How truly dependent I am for everything, everything, totally on Jesus. And so Jesus opens this massive teaching, Sermon on the Mount, talking about the poor in spirit, and then he goes from that statement, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and he starts talking about mourning, blessed are those who mourn. Now, that's not necessarily what you would expect, right? I mean, to talk about being poor in spirit and then talking about mourning, grieving. That's how Jesus kicks his sermon off. No happy illustration, no uh, uh, demonstration of some sort. He talks about two things that you might think are downers. Poor, mourning. Poor, grieving. But Jesus has a point in this, and Jesus is always engaging. But he talks about the poor in spirit, and then look at verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, mourning, it's a sad response to losing something valuable. Losing a person, losing a friendship, a job, losing money, losing an expectation or an expected future. We can mourn for a wide variety of things. And those are all things that are directly connected to us but also because we're wired as human beings compassionately we can also mourn for things that are not directly connected to us maybe somebody else's sinful activity and behavior maybe it's a loss that's on the other side of the world and we're still mourning for that maybe it's just mourning for the ever-increasing sin that is in the world it seems like the world's just getting worse and worse and worse sometimes and all of these things can produce mourning within us and he says, blessed are those who mourn. But also mourning, you know, inevitably you live long enough, you mourn for a wide variety of things, you grieve for things, uh, because things, uh, it's just a world of loss, really. But mourning comes in waves. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Sometimes the waves are small, and sometimes the waves are great. But the difficult thing sometimes about mourning is, we internalize it. it is what we often tend to do is we internalize the, the breadth and the depth of it. And we put on a front and don't demonstrate really how deep it is within us. We're experiencing the mourning. We may, they may, somebody around us may see that we're grieving and see that we're mourning, but they don't see how deep it goes because we don't let them see it. And we keep the mourning within us and hang on to it almost like we feel like we can accomplish it ourselves we can take care of it ourselves but trying to do it alone will inevitably and ultimately only ever do us more damage every time every single time it's like this idea it's over here it's like this is a backpack this this represents everything we carry with us in our lives And when we carry something with us and we internalize it and we don't deal with it or or, or we don't take it to where it needs to be taken to to find resolution. It's like taking weights, taking weights and putting them in what we carry around every day. And we take it and we put it in there and we zip it up. carry it with us. Max isn't watching. Almost ripped the microphone cord right off. And we carry it with us everywhere we go. It's just going. It's weighing us down. And we can feel it. You ever carried something in a backpack or something for a long time, and you can feel it just digging in your shoulders? You know, and you just constantly carry it. And there's always something poking you. So it's like something got shifted wrong, and it's poking you in the back, and just, it's, it's weighing you down, and it's beating you down, and you, you, you don't know how you're going to make it much longer. Are we almost there so I can set this thing down? How can I get through this? That's what happens when we carry the, carry the mourning with us. Look back at verse 4, though. Blessed are those who mourn, for they, shall be, they will be comforted. The comfort is passive. The comfort comes from a source outside of ourselves. The comfort doesn't come from us. It comes from somewhere else. We will be comforted. We will be comforted by someone else, by uh, somewhere else. The comfort will come to us. The only way that comfort can come is from a source outside of ourselves. And then we have to take our weight to the source of that comfort. Comfort comes to those who go to the comforter. And we take our weight. <clears throat> it's a lot harder going downstairs. <laughs> we take our weight and we gotta set our weight down at the feet of Jesus. Remember he was Jesus a minute ago, he still there? We set our weight down at the feet of Jesus. Now, taking our weight of our mourning to Jesus to, to receive comfort the great comforter is, is, is what is necessary. And Jesus calls himself this, the great comforter. In, uh, Ma- in uh, Matthew chapter f- or, excuse me, Luke chapter 4, Jesus quotes from a passage in Isaiah. He, Jesus walks into a synagogue, picks up a scroll that is there from the book of Isaiah. And Jesus, in front of the whole synagogue, reads this. It's Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. This is what Jesus reads to the synagogue. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So he's to comfort those who are struggling, bring uh, 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 freedom to those who are bound by whatever's binding them. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, To grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, Jesus, like I said, quoted this passage in front of the synagogue. And then he took it and he set the scroll down. And he said, this scripture is fulfilled today. So he's saying, I am the one, I am the son of God who's coming to give you comfort in your morning. I am the one who's gonna comfort you. He is the great comforter. So the weight that is on us and weighing us down that we're carrying, maybe nobody else knows what we're experiencing. And the fact of the matter is, No matter how much you think you know about somebody else because you know their lives or because you read their Facebook page, you don't really know what they're going through. You have no idea. Even if you're walking through it with them, you don't know how Satan's using it in their spirit. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And so you take that weight that is weighing you down, and you have to come to the comforter. That's the only way to find comfort is to go to the comforter. You can't find comfort walking around carrying the weight with you all day long. Going to sleep with it on your back. Having it keep you awake at night because you're still wearing it. Weighing you down. Beating you down. But even if you take it, the weight and you drop it at Jesus' feet, giving your morning to the comforter, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a 100% healed heart and mind instantly. Because again, I don't know if you've walked around with a great weight on your back before, but when you take it off, there's still some residual pain that's there. You're still sore. Your traps, your shoulders, your back, it's still sore. It's going to take some time to work it out. It's going to take some time to find healing and relief. Complete relief. But what happens is when we still take it to the feet of Jesus and we drop our mourning and we drop our struggle at the feet of Jesus, there will be still some kind of relief in the moment. But we've got to always remember not to go back and pick it back up and put it back on. Leave it at the feet of Jesus and allow him to take care of our burden. Allow him to do his job in our lives. Be the comforter that we need. We have to come to the comforter. And then having brought our mourning to Jesus, we receive the comfort from him. But we also have to understand the comfort that he gives us isn't just for us. It's not just for us to take and and consume it. We're supposed to receive the comfort in order to give it away. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We are comforted by the God of all comfort, not just to take and and consume and contain and hold all the comfort to ourselves, but there's many times we're comforted so that we can comfort somebody else. Comforted because somebody else is going to be walking through exactly what we're walking through, and we can provide great relief and comfort from that for them as well not because we are a great bastion of wisdom and comfort but because of the comfort of the lord flowing through us into their lives constantly pointing them to jesus Say, hey, I took my mourning, my grief, my struggle, and put it at the feet of Jesus. That doesn't mean I don't still have pain and still have struggle and still have difficulty from day to day as the waves come and the waves go. But that's what you need to do. Take, your mor- take, take it and drop it at the feet of Jesus and find relief. Find comfort from the comforter. Come to the comforter. Even if sometimes we've got to drag them kicking and screaming and say, here it is, the feet of Jesus. Put it down. Stop trying to carry it yourself. It's not meant for you to carry it yourself. It's not meant for you to go it alone and, and try to tough it out. Don't try to tough it out because it's going to kill you. And Do you ever know anybody who's really a shadow of their former self because they've been carrying it for so long, trying to go it alone without Jesus, and it's beat them down or it's turned them bitter? angry bring it to Jesus but I want to point something out here's I mean this is what I perceive Jesus opening his sermon on the mount with these two verses blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who mourn for theirs is the kingdom of heaven for they shall be comforted because there's a theme in these two verses there's a theme there you can't do it alone we need Jesus that's the theme The only way you can find the kingdom of heaven is by being poor in spirit and realizing you're dependent upon him. The only way you can find comfort when when you're mourning, when you're struggling, is to come to Jesus and receive the comfort from him. You need Jesus in this life. You were not designed to go through this life without him. You weren't designed to do it. You can't. You may try at times and you may try to push through and, and, and make it through, but you can't. You cannot make it through. You will stumble, you will fall, and you will not come through unscathed. But he can walk through it with you and bring you comfort and bring you strength and and bring the resources of the kingdom of heaven and give you everything you need as you walk through it. But you've got to come to him because you need Jesus. You need him. So don't try to listen to that voice in your head. That says, oh, you can do it alone. You can you can push through it. You can get through it all by yourself. You don't need anybody else. You don't, and, and the voice in your head's not going to outright say, you don't need Jesus. It's going to, you know, just get you to act like you don't need Jesus. Act like it. Get you not to share your struggles with other believers. So they don't. Pray for you so they don't walk alongside you, so they don't carry you when you're falling. You know, James said, confess your sins to one another. I mean, he goes that far. Not just your struggles, not just your your sins. So they can pray for you, so they can walk with you, help you in the process. Because we're not meant to go it alone. I've said it a bunch, guys. You know, when God created the earth, he created animals. It was good, that's what God said. God created day and night. It was good. God created the heavens and the earth. It was good. But God said one time, it is not good. When God made man, and he was by himself. And then God said, it is not good. It's not good. He didn't say it was good until there were two of them. Adam and Eve. Until there was more than one, and they were walking through it together. They were together. And what did jesus do when he began his his earthly ministry first thing he did got a bunch of guys around him to walk through jesus son of god created a small group to walk through this life and he had judas in his group how many of us will tough it out and act like we don't need a small group act like we don't need other other people Maybe we don't do it in every aspect of our lives, but I'll bet you, because I know a lot of you, there's aspects of your life that you don't share with other people, because you feel like you can do it alone, or you feel like maybe they'll think less of you if you tell them what's going on here, or you've been doing it by yourself in that area for so long, you don't even know what it would look like if you took that and laid it at the feet of Jesus. Maybe it's a control thing. You feel like if you've got that pack on your back, no matter how weighed down it is, maybe it's generational weight that's been handed down to you, the grief and the mourning and the struggle and the pain that's been handed down to you from generation after generation and now you're bearing it hunched over and you're just trying to make it through and you don't know what it would even feel like to take it and lay it at the feet of Jesus. What I'm here to tell you from the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 3 and 4, you can't do it alone. You need Jesus. Let it go. In the wise words of Elsa, let it go. And now you're singing it for the rest of the day. You're welcome. (laughs) Just let it go. Stop hanging on to it. Stop clinging to it. Stop trying to control it and say, "Here, Jesus, I can't do it anymore." I can't. Let me get it off my shoulders. Bring it to him. Come to the comforter. Come to the peace-giver. Come to jesus so will you come to jesus today and receive the kingdom of heaven receive his comfort will you come to jesus today and lay down your burden declare your absolute dependency upon him and see what he does in you see how your mind shifts see how much peace will come see what comfort comes from this point forward will you Come to Jesus today, wherever you are in your spiritual journey. Maybe you've been a believer for 70 years, 80 years, but there's stuff you're hanging on to. Maybe you've been a believer for a week and a half. We all still need to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. What's going to happen is I'm going to pray for us. Um, And we got the baptistry. It's full. It's warmed up. Somebody's going to be baptized here in just a few minutes. You need to be baptized. We can do it right now. We got robes, we got t-shirts, get baptized in the clothes you're wearing. We, it, it, baptism shows the world that you belong to Jesus. Will you be baptized today? Maybe you need to come and get saved. Maybe you need to say, you know what, I've been arguing with God about this save deal for such a long time. I've just been it, It's been consuming my mind, and I need to lay that at the feet of Jesus and just say, okay, it's time to stop arguing, and it's time to say, I will believe. Maybe there is something you've been hanging on to for such a long time. Even the people in your house don't even know you've been hanging on to it for so long. Maybe it's somebody said something to you. Maybe it's a sin in your past that the enemy keeps bringing up to make you feel guilty about. The Spirit won't ever make you feel guilty. The Spirit will convict you for sure. Guilt comes from the enemy. Shame comes from the enemy. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're not guilty anymore. Maybe you need to come and sit that at the feet of Jesus. Not Brian, but Jesus. Set that at the feet of Jesus today. Receive your comfort. Gain access to the kingdom of heaven by declaring that you are dependent on him. And work your way through your own spiritual journey. Will you come to Jesus today?